Sermon Underwear, a podcast where we talk about the stories, conversations, questions, and experiences that lead up to the sermons preached here at First Lutheran Church. This is Brian. This is Pastor Perry. And we are starting in the book of Mark, and we'll be we'll be following along in the story of Mark's gospel between now all the way through Easter Sunday. And so we begin here in Mark chapter 1, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locust and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens tearing apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beast and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So there's our lengthy uh, first reading from the Gospel of Mark. Um, Lots of good stuff to work with here. I just want to bring up, when this was first written, it was kind of with the intent, you could think of like this, like a manuscript for a a one-person play to be speaking this to a, an audience or a congregation or a group of people to hear it together. So it kind of makes sense. It's kind of nice that we can sit here and read this out loud to each other because it's different than when you're just sitting and reading it on your own. Or if you have someone read it to you, you will hear it and experience it differently than um, if you're just sitting there and reading it in your head on your own. So even if you're if you're listening to this on your own, to go back and read through this out loud um, and you'll hear it differently or you may emphasize things you read differently than I would necessarily. I mean, you could, you could do that with any text, but the Gospel of Mark is uh, especially had been written to be performed or read out loud, so that kind of makes you um, maybe hear it or approach it in a different way than you might some of the other Gospels that we look at. That's interesting in yeah. that, you know, in, in looking at it as a, as a play or as a drama and how it all unfolds, 
I thought it was interesting just as I was sitting here listening to it, not having any of the words in front of me, just listening. What struck me was, what was John the Baptist doing prior to this text? Because really this text is the end of his ministry. So we get this very ending part. He baptized Jesus, then he's arrested, and that's it, and he's gone. And so I was kind of like, huh, I wonder what John did for his 30-some years of his life. Yeah, we kind of got to explore that. Uh, The week before Christmas, we looked at John's life a little bit and that he had come to have this great following. Well, we get that a little bit here in this text, too, that uh, the people of Judea and the area around there had come to see um, John out in the wilderness. So he's kind of he's got a great following, but we don't exactly know a whole lot more about him outside of that, other than he fulfills some, some prophecy um, that had been written about someone like him coming along, too. So I think one of the other things that stands out to me, too, is how Mark... Uh, starts off his gospel. You know, we're used to reading stories that at the conclusion of the book, it says the end, you know, uh, but Mark starts off the beginning as if you know, it's kind of like, yes, I guess so. Um, but it really will we'll come back around and really hit that theme again too at the conclusion of Mark's gospel that he's kind of saying, this is just the beginning of something that's going on right up until this present day. So here I'm, I'm telling you how this all got started. Yeah. It's kind of like grandpa saying, well, back on the farm, this is, it all began with, yeah. you know, something like that. That's, it's interesting. And it's interesting why, or how Mark starts this off at Jesus' baptism. He calls that the beginning of the good news. So Jesus, 30 years prior to that, Jesus' birth, he saw that not really as the beginning. But the beginning of the good news begins at his baptism. Yeah, and similarly to what you were picking up on with John, too. I mean, Mark, as we go forward in the story, isn't really interested in telling us about Jesus' life uh, so much as he is about Jesus' ministry. So we don't really get a lot of background. Like you said, we jump right over the whole uh, birth story that we get in Luke's gospel or any of the background about his parents, for that matter. It's just uh, Mark is really let's get to it. Um, Let's get right down to the story here. The other piece that interests me with when it says the beginning of the good news, you know, if we've been working our way through this narrative lectionary, so for some of you, that might kind of echo where we started off last September with in the beginning in Genesis. And so there's kind of this tie back to that story. If you were to go back and read Genesis chapters one through three, you kind of would pick up on this other theme there, too, about this promise that um, God is going to answer sin coming into the world through Adam and Eve, through this serpent coming and testing them. And uh, I don't have it right in front of me, but there's a promise that the seed of this woman or the seed of this promise will conquer the serpent. And so then here in Mark's gospel, you kind of get this really neat tie back to in the beginning Here's this one now, Jesus Christ, and what's the first thing he does after he's been baptized? He goes out into the wilderness. He's tempted by Satan, um, but he survives it. He comes back. He's he's conquered there, and that's already kind of setting the pace for what's to come. So there's a powerful tie-in there if you're looking for it. And that was what was read this past weekend, that he will crush your head or crush the head of the serpent, and the serpent will bruise his heel. The analysis in terms of uh, 
what happens in the Garden of Eden right after Adam and Eve have eaten that fruit. So Mark is really interested in making these connections between, well, all the Gospels, but right here Mark is making this connection between uh, that promise and it's beginning to be fulfilled here in Jesus Christ and his coming. The other thing, too, that gets my attention is Jesus is getting baptized, uh, which is just a strange idea when we think about Jesus the Son of God who's without sin, and the whole reason that people get baptized, or if you want to simplify that even further, uh, why do you take a bath? Because you're dirty, you know, because you, you've gotten dirty or stinky and it's time to get cleaned up. Uh, here comes Christ into the world who's the Son of God who is without sin, or if you want to kind of pull that back to the analogy, without any dirt or, or stink <laughs> on him, is getting baptized, which implies... We're kind of, again, getting, there's a lot of foreshadowing for those who have ears for it here in Mark chapter 1, and that Jesus is, in his baptism, indicating to us that he will have some sin, for that matter, by the end of the gospel, all the sin of the world is on him, and he's taking that on here. So there's kind of, again, a little foreshadowing in the fact that he's baptized. And there's something, there's something kind of fun about Mark's gospel, too, and thinking about it, again, as this play that happens you and I as listeners, we get uh, secret information or special information that the people in the story don't get or don't know. Like nobody there knows that this is what Jesus hears that day. Uh, a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. You know, that's, you could call it insider or secret information that, that only you as the audience is privy to, that the, the people that were there in that moment don't at that point in time get to hear about that or know about that. So there's kind of those sort of things to look for as Mark's gospel moves forward here too. For me, uh, one of the things that I've come to understand in terms of the, the gospel of Mark, that it is a battle narrative or a battle story. It's Jesus battling evil or Satan, and you see it all along. And even right there where he is sent out into the wilderness, it begins in that, that story. And it's not long until he steps into a synagogue and faces evil and then the demonic powers at that point. And it goes on all the way through that gospel. That's interesting to pick up on that too and kind of ties again back to that whole beginning of something of which the implications are still happening. It's, it's not done. I mean, it's still ongoing up to this day. So verse 10 here, it says, And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart, is what the text says. The word literally there is actively like tearing apart, as if still to this day, still to this moment as you're listening to this right now, the veil or the wall or curtain, however you want to look at it, between God's kingdom and this life that we're living in is continuing to be torn. God's kingdom is continuing to enter into this world. Um, and that's the same with verse 15 there, where it says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. You, know, you could, the literal translation of that is, is continuing to come near to this very day right now. So it's like, uh, we often think of heaven as, I'm on my way to this far off place someday. Um, but Mark really says in the beginning in Christ's coming, it's, it's working its way continually closer and closer towards us. So you kind of reverse the direction of the arrow that that kingdom of God's is continually approaching towards us. Then there's hope in that too, that <laughs> there will come a day, you know, when when you think about, oh, I've just got to go a little further, do one more thing or get one thing more right in my life to get myself 
to heaven. That's often the way that, that people think about the life to come, to instead reverse that and say, in Christ's coming, here are all the steps uh, that God is taking to come to you in this world here. Now, you know, we, we got a taste of that at Christmas, that the first giant step of that is to be born as an infant child, a human being, to come into this world. The other thing I was going to lift up too here that we get at the tail end of this text, and as you said, you could do a whole series on this, uh, looking at Jesus calling the disciples, um, the people that he chooses to call. You know, typically if a rabbi was going to call students, it would be students who had spent the first portion of their life studying in modern day terms. A rabbi would be looking for like, this isn't quite a fair equation, but a rabbi would be looking for like college students, somebody who had gone through to get further education and uh, religion and the faith to come then and learn some more from this expert. But it's interesting that who Christ chooses are common folks, I guess, is who he chooses uh, as disciples or, or even outsiders, people who typically wouldn't be chosen to come and follow a rabbi. So he goes and, and uh, calls these fishermen, and then they immediately come and follow him. You know, one of Mark's favorite words. Right. They certainly weren't the uh, the 4.0 students, the straight A, <laughs> the straight A club. Yeah. They were they were fishing for a reason, or tax collecting for a reason that either they hadn't chosen to want to go that way, or or they weren't good enough. Yeah. Which to me brings uh, a sense of hope and realization that God can use me too. Yeah. Even though, um, I guess I wasn't probably a straight A. Type of student. <laughs> Although yeah. at seminary, when I took it pass fail, I was a straight P. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, there's. I was trying to think of a word um, with racing, like when something. Or, well, I guess this can happen on the interstate too. Like when someone is driving faster than you, and they they drive past you really fast, and it kind of pulls you into. I mean, is there something about with a fast-moving vehicle that there's like a vacuum space behind it that pulls in? Yeah. Um, is that the same as drafting? or is Drafting, that, that's, that's it. That's something yep. different? I mean, yep, drafting. So, right, you come in behind them, and now your car works less hard. Yeah. It, it becomes easier because you're, you're following that vacuum or that, that suction of the other car. And I... <laughs> I don't, I'm probably mixing up my terminology, so if somebody's listening to this who knows racing well or knows what the correct term for that is, but I guess that's that's in some sense how I think of Christ in this Gospel of Mark. One, because Mark's Gospel is short, and Mark continues to use this word throughout it, and immediately this happened. You know, there's this very fast movement of Christ. He's on this mission towards the cross, and it's interesting as we continue to go forward in this Gospel of Mark how people around him, I mean, and particularly outsiders, but uh, are sucked in, if you will, as he's, you know, it's again, it's like this fast-paced movement towards the cross and, and yes, special effects there. <laughs> Thanks. Um, people are, are pulled in by this Christ and, and where he is headed to and this kingdom that's coming with him into the world through what he's doing here as well. I mean, one of the things that, again, hit for me was the beginnings and the endings and how something needs to 
end before another thing can begin. Maybe to to think about transitions in your life, were there times when something ended and something new began? And a lot of times with our faith, that is something that happens. Have something that comes to an end and and faith fills that void. One of the last songs for, or the last song for the service this coming Sunday is This Little Light of Mine. And that will relate to the idea of what happens when we follow Jesus and how do we let our light shine or Christ's light shine through us in our lives. So one of the questions may be is, how has your light um, been able to shine in the world? What are some things that you feel allow you to let that light shine?